It's time for the Manufacturing Austin Podcast, sponsored by Texas Mutual. Welcome. My name is Ed Latson, and this is the Manufacturing Austin Podcast, sponsored by Texas Mutual. Today, our guest is Omid Bakube, founder and CEO of Yada Energy, a solar tech startup that has been making some noise in Austin and within the industry. Uh, Omid, it's a real pleasure to have you here. And as I understand it, uh, you're just coming back from paternity leave. So uh, how's everything going? Great as it can be. Uh, excited to be back at work. We had a, a very interesting births, birthing stories. <laughs> well, I don't know if you want to share that on here or not, but um, man, you're looking good. You must be uh, getting some sleep. This is our second one. So we've got some practice to this point. But yeah, we had a, our son was born in, in our Tesla Model 3 oh, uh, yeah. on the way to the birthing center. Uh, mom, we gave birth in the parking lot of the Sprouts it doesn't get more awesome than that. In a Tesla and a Sprouts parking lot, the first person on site was our doula. And the last thing I grabbed out of the house was a Waterloo. So uh, <laughs> I had a nephew born in the car. Um, really? Yeah. So they were in France trying to have a midwife home birth and it was yeah. going poorly. So they jumped in the car to go to the hospital and the baby was born in the car on the way to the yeah, hospital. We, we weren't trying to have a home birth. We were on the way to the birthing center, but Baby just wanted to come out, and uh, we were two minutes away from the, the center, and he's born on Manchaca. So. Yeah, so crazy, man. So did you pull over and just like yeah, pull over in the Sprout parking lot? Uh, by that time, mom already knew what to do. She grabbed the baby, removed the umbilical cord, and started tapping the back, and he started crying. And we knew everything was okay then. It was still nerve wracking. Congratulations to you guys, and uh, congratulations to you as well on the business. I mean. Um, it's, it's a pretty amazing story. You've been doing this for four years. You launched in 2017. Um, you know, you had a major seed funding round last year to $5 million. Uh, you're, you're just now fulfilling orders to your customers. You know, what's the mood like at the company right now? It's very exciting. It's very exciting. Uh, I would say in midst of all this, we went through a pandemic. So, um, so given the fact that we went through a pandemic and all the adjustments that we've had to make, make from workflow to precautions, I mean, it's just been an amazing journey uh, to be at this point. And what you're seeing here is our new headquarters here in South Austin. Uh, we just move, we're moving into a 20,000 square foot building where we're going to be processing orders as well as fulfillment, as well as doing some light manufacturing. Tell us about your product. I mean, what makes it yeah, unique sure. in the space? So yeah, in a nutshell, Yada is a solar plus storage full solution. Everyone kind of knows about solar today. It's, it's, it, the prices have come down. You're seeing more and more of it. But the problem with solar by itself is that you can't store the energy. And without storing the energy, there's, it creates all kinds of other problems, right? You actually can have too much solar into the grid, and it causes too much uh, imbalances or fluctuations. And so the next frontier is how do we solve energy storage? And so we can use solar energy as a power source to compete against fossil fuel peaker plants, right? Um, and so the battery is the next frontier in this sector. And many other companies are building one big containerized battery system. Uh, we came to it at a completely different approach rather than building a big centralized battery system that has a lot of different layers of complexity and fire suppression systems and siting issues. We've created a modular battery. It's called the Solar Leaf. And it, needs, it, it tucks neatly behind a solar module. And so with our solution, if you have room for solar, by default, you have room for storage and the modular format enables you to very quickly 
uh, development into any project that's out in the field or a rooftop. Well, and I've also read that uh, one of the things that really distinguishes, you know, your business is your um, energy management system, your temperature management system on the batteries. So uh, can you talk about that for a moment? Sure. Yeah. I mean, so the, the first knock that we get when we describe our product is, well, it gets really hot on rooftops. How can you put batteries on rooftops? As well as we experienced a few week, few months ago, it can get really cold as well, right? So the secret to all energy storage products that will be successful fundamentally is thermal management, right? Uh, a company like Tesla, they've pioneered liquid cooling of their batteries, which they use in their cars and in their battery products. We've pioneered a completely new technology. It's called a phase change heat exchange system. And each battery that's about the size of a briefcase has this system built in that essentially regulates its temperature. It's almost like the human body, it like just regulates the battery temperature, doesn't let it get too hot, doesn't let it get below freezing. Well, uh, tell me about the story. I mean, so did you develop this technology and, and, and how did you guys uh, go from idea to actually, you know, to this point right here? Yeah, so very interesting. Like I, I came from the solar industry. I started it in, back in like 2010 when it was a very nascent field. Uh, very much a green movement. People bought solar because of an emotional appeal. It wasn't quite economical just yet. Um, and so I spent a lot of time developing battery systems as well. From the time when we were using car batteries to more and more advanced products. And I knew that there had to be a fundamental shift because what, was, what I was witnessing is not the cost of the technology being the barrier, but the cost of the implementation as the barrier, right? So fast forward, move to Austin. I ch we chose to move to Austin because of a progressive solar policy. This was be before Austin became the boom town it is today. And I went to a function called Three Day Startup and I met the co-founder, Vikram. Vikram came from a battery background, an engineering background. And he was really the one that motivated me to quit my job and start a company. I didn't know what startup was at that time. <laughs> and uh, so we started tinkering in our garages. Uh, his garage was the electrical, mine was the mechanical, and we would build pro various prototypes. And lo and behold, we, we worked backwards and said, well, how do we fundamentally change how easy it is to deploy energy storage? And that's where what's called panel level uh, storage is what our product sector is. It came to our thought and said, well, no one's doing this. Why isn't anyone doing this? Well, temperature is extremely hot. It's extremely cold. And we work backwards from there. I and mean, that's how we developed the core thermal technology. And now it's been patented. We receive various levels of funding and we're actually building it out and delivering it to customers. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing because, you know, it, uh, getting a manufacturing startup off the ground is, is no easy task. Um, there's a lot of critical challenge challenges with that nationally, really around funding. Um, you know, there's not venture capital that's interested in taking the risk on hardware. So what, what were some of the early challenges for you and, and how did, how yeah. did you guys overcome those? It's exactly as you said, I like guess it's, it's every, every VC, majority of VCs want to just invest in software. Why? Because software, it either rises really quickly or falls really quickly. <laughs> Whereas uh, manufacturing hardware is a little bit different, uh, not to crack. Um, but it's all about finding the right investors. In fact, if you look at the, some of the most successful software, clean tech, I mean, sorry, clean tech companies, they are hardware based, which a prominent software layer on top of their hardware, right? And that's the same journey for us. Um, but to that, I would say it's not really as expensive to launch a hardware based company as it used to be because you have all of these 
advances in manufacturing. You have all of these uh, global CMs that help with a lot of the various factors, right? Mm -hmm. So we've, I mean, I think we've done something remarkably well. We've executed really well with the funding that we've had. Uh, but what we've been able to do with the amount of funding that we've brought in, some startup software only companies wouldn't have achieved what we've achieved. So. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's a testament to you guys. And it's also a testament to a, a great product, um, you know, that's able to draw interest from that type of investment. I'm curious, you know, you've, you've uh, been through the good times and the bad times with this. What, what would you advise somebody looking to, to start up a, ma a manufacturing company? And you would have to be really passionate. The first thing I, anyone that, that startups get a lot of hype, right? And when I jumped into it, there was a bit of naiveness. And if I didn't have that, I probably wouldn't have started it. So you got to have that. That's good to have. Um, but you have to be really passionate about what it is you're trying to solve, what problem it is you're trying to solve, right? I just, I love solar, right? Um, I got into it. I just see such a huge potential. Uh, the idea that we can just produce electrons from a device that sits on a roof, it's just amazing to me. Um, and so, and then I was, a, I was a geek for the industry. I used to go to all the trade shows and see all the companies coming out with products, what worked, what didn't work. So that, because of that, I've been able to navigate really well in our product fit and what kind of features we build out, right? Uh, but it's a journey. I mean, anytime you're trying to start anything from scratch, it's, uh, it's a long journey. Um, I often joke that people think they, they leave a nine to five to do something like this. They're really leaving a nine to five to work 24 <laughs> seven. But at the end of the day, you have to be passionate about it. And uh, if you don't have that passion for what problem you're solving, you're not going to make it. Well, give us a scope of the business today and, and kind of what your challenges are. Like how, how big are you and, and what yeah. are you working on right now? Yeah, we are right now, uh, we are 15 going on 15 full-time employees. We're actively hiring some key positions. Um, we are starting to ship product out to early customers. Uh, there's two components in our solution. We have our inverter system. We call it dual power inverter. Uh, that's the first of its kind inverter that works interchangeably with both solar and storage. And then we have our flagship product, the solar leaf, the storage component that's coming out to market around Q4 uh, for manufacturing. So there's a whole layer of learning logistics. Now we're getting orders in the door. How do we process these orders? How do we ship them out? Um, hiring talent, I think it's gotten a little bit tough. Uh, Austin used to be a market where you could pay someone on a startup salary and they could afford a nice home and, and a Tesla. <laughs> and uh, that's very quickly vanished. It's getting harder and harder to get people here to Austin uh, with the prices. Um, but I think there's in spite of all those challenges, we've picked the right place. When I, Ed, when I first started Yada, there was a real serious thought in our minds that we needed to move out to California, right? No joke. Like we weren't, we weren't meeting the right investors. We were not moving traction. We knew we had something special. It was like, maybe we're in the wrong place. Maybe we need to pick up and go to California, right? Now I know for a fact that that would have been the wrong decision because Austin is the new Silicon Valley. It, there's so much happening here. There's so many resources it's perfect for manufacturing. It's perfect for new startups. Um, yes, we're in a little bit of a boom right now, but there's so much land and potential to grow in central Texas. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think um, there's going to be some stress on the labor pool in the next couple of years as all these companies move in. Um, but I, we can solve that as a community. There's already a lot of work going into 
you know, the pipelines to develop that kind of talent. Um, but I think what makes Austin special is just the uh, entrepreneurs like you, the people doing interesting things that are coming together and solving problems. And, um, you know, the more people that come here with that kind of skill set, it's, it's only going to multiply um, the impact, I think, to the world. I think what's happening here is going to really change yeah, uh, you know, the world. So it's exciting. You know what? Isn't that the model from UT? So, I know. Well, hey, I mean, I see the flag in the background back there. I'm not a UT graduate, so I won't, I won't take credit for that. But I do love that model. What happens here changes the world. It's, yeah. it's such a great model to have as a university. So. Well, hey, let's talk about the market a little bit, because uh, I recently read that, um, you know, Fortune 500 companies, more than half of them have uh, you know, extensive renewable goals. And I would think that your product is going to fit into helping them accomplish a lot of those. Uh, is that true? And is that driving some of the growth in your business? Yeah, exactly. So there's our sector that we've focused on uh, within solar. There's three major sectors. There's residential, which is your homes. There is utility scale, which is what you see as big fields and solar, right? And then there's the middle market that's referred to as CNI, commercial industrial, right? And that's the sector that we've decided as our beachhead for our product. Um, it is it is a it is a more difficult sector traditionally than the residential and the utility scale, but it's primed for great growth. Part of that is there's a lot of businesses that are looking to invest in solar and have their electrons come from solar energy. Uh, there's all new kinds of financing structures that were not in place before. And now what you're actually having is a whole new way of paying for solar where you have groups and investors that basically want to own these systems on your rooftop. You have no capex towards the system. You're just getting green electrons from solar at a lower rate. And what will get really interesting is when utilities start to do that model. So imagine hypothetically, if Austin Energy came to one of your, uh, one of the ARMA groups and said, hey, you've got this beautiful rooftop. We want to own and operate a system on that rooftop, right? Mm -hmm. And you're just going to benefit by having lower demand charges and lower, you know, price for electricity. And then the benefit is also going to all the ratepayers within the Austin Energy Territory, right? Yeah, talk about that because uh, obviously, you know, everybody listening to this experienced the great freeze, you know, a, a few uh, months ago and probably yeah. lost some energy. I mean, uh, could you really, you know, keep? some uh, yeah so yeah think of think of solar and battery storage as a really good way to back up some critical loads it's you know you'd have to build a massive system to back up 100 percent. that's where you would maybe still have a diesel or gas generator on site uh but for backup loads of critical loads things that could have saved really you know high in equipment it could be a really good solution for that um and the other thing is that the day after the first big storm it was actually bright and sunny. And all of our systems here in, in, in Austin were producing. They were actually pumping kilowatt hours into the grid when it was at astronomical rates, right? The price for four days was $9 a kilowatt hour. <laughs> and utilities were selling it for the folks who had power at around nine cents per kilowatt hour. The utilities were taking huge losses on just delivering power for those days, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, it's, I think it's a great technology and that's, that's where the big, that's where it gets political in some ways in the sense that, well, if you're going to have solar, you should have storage. You should have the ability to have reserve capacity in the event that you have, uh, price spikes in the grid or you have an outage. How do these systems contribute to that? 
Yeah, well, you know, I've heard some of the criticisms in the past from really more from homeowners, but, you know, they put in a solar system and they can't even, um, they cannot always um, utilize that energy in their own home. It has to go back into the grid before it comes back. But I read that uh, the FERC recently had a new order that allows for small scale energy grids. Um, Is that going to impact your business? Yeah, of course. So I think the FERC order, if it gets adopted here in Texas, it means that any system that's at least 100 kW or larger, which is not a large system in the grand scheme of things, gets to participate in the market, right? And when you can participate in the market, you can actually find additional value in that system that's on the rooftop. That, that's really what it is. So if you, I often give this analogy. Think of solar as the computer and think of energy storage as the internet in a sense that the computer has value and we did a lot of amazing things with it. But when the internet came around, it was like, wow, we can do all of these things now, right? Mm-hmm. Energy storage, there's actually about 19 different value streams of how energy storage can be monetized with solar. And we're just in the early days of figuring out how those business models would play out. Right? Well, uh, you know, you brought up politics. Let's, let's hear what are your thoughts on, uh, you know, the Biden infrastructure plan and, and how that might impact, you know, green. Yeah. I, to be honest, I haven't looked into it too deeply. Uh, I should, <laughs> being in this sector. I, I felt regardless of what happens, this technology is amazing enough that it, one, one policy may spring forth it much quicker. But at the end of the day, uh, solar technology is becoming very inexpensive and storage is now on the frontier of dropping down and that cost. And it doesn't, you know, yes, policies will help spring forth and, and, and make it quicker. Uh, but it's going to happen eventually anyway. And then, you know, with electric vehicles, I mean, I think everyone now understands that you can't fight against the adoption of electric vehicles. It's going to happen. Every major manufacturer is going to come out with models. It's, as Elon said in his in the calls the other day, there's going to be a 3x increase in the demand for our electricity. Well, how are we going to meet that demand, right? We have no choice but to develop more and more solar plus storage resources. It's either that or you have to go back and upgrade the entire grid system. And it's far less costly to, to, to incentivize uh, more and more deployments of locally produced power on factory buildings and industrial sites. Well, Omid, I think that's a great uh, closing thought. And I'll tell you that um, I'm really happy that you didn't move to California, that you started this here in Austin. And uh, we're looking forward to watching your growth, uh, taking it from here. So thank you very much. Thanks, Ed. It's it's a pleasure pleasure being on this podcast with you. This is the Manufacturing Austin podcast sponsored by Texas Mutual.